0: Blob Talk Radio. Hi, this is uh, Jim. Welcome to Outsports Podcast. Uh, I'm here as always with Sid. Uh, We're both in Los Angeles, but in two days from now, Sid will be in uh, beautiful Cleveland for the Gay
1: Games.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll be in St. Louis tonight, and then I'll be, we'll both be in Cleveland in, yeah, 48 hours, about. Yeah, you'll be in St. Louis for Michael Sam's uh, debut in the exhibition season tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I, I think since we're going to Cleveland, I might as well just kind of Stop over halfway there in St. Louis and check out the game. And I don't know. I've never I've never covered an NFL game as a member of the media,
0: I don't think, Jim.
2: How crazy is that?
0: Yeah, that's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, I probably would do a lot of your stuff before the game, talking to different people and fans, because probably during the – I mean, who knows how long they'll be, on. they'll be on the field a while, I guess. They play a lot of these guys a lot because the, the starters tend not to play much more than a first couple series. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, he's a, and he listed as a third stringer from what I saw, which means he'll probably get a, a heck of a lot of playing time.
0: Yeah, and actually we'll have someone on in a few minutes, Jim Thomas, beat writer of the Rams for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, who we're going to give us all things Michael Sam. So we'll talk to him in a couple minutes. Um, but uh we had a good story this week we can talk briefly a uh, baseball coach 25 years old Nate Alson came out in South Dakota and it's interesting he's the first openly gay anything in sports in South Dakota history so he's gotten all this attention in his home state i mean he's been on the the, the night you know, the the local news and all the newspapers espn local there it's kind of interesting how, when you're from a really small place, these stories have even more magnitude there than they do if he was, say, in you know, Los Angeles. It, it was funny because even while he was being interviewed
2: by, I think it was NBC, uh, the local affiliate, he said, "My phone will not stop ringing," and his phone was ringing as he's doing the interview. Because yes, look, it's it, South, rural southeast South Dakota. Every day is a slow news day. And to have a story like this that's a bit sensationalist, he's at a Catholic school, the school won't comment. It's uh, you, As a
0: reporter in Southeast Ohio, South Dakota, you dream for something like this. Yeah, they did it in August, so we, we gave them some news. And uh, Nate wrote—he wrote a, wrote a first-person account for us that was quite good. And, you know, again, he's just somebody who wants to make a difference and wants to let people know that gay people are everywhere. So – our coming out stories have tended to hit so many geographic areas, um, except the deep South. It seems to be the one area that we're pretty much had almost nothing from. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have had Alan Gendro a couple of years ago, or that was
2: that. God, that was last year. That yeah, feels like that feels like three years ago. But yeah, there's just not a lot. And we have well, that's, we had uh, we had those two, the two kids from Erskine
0: College in, in rural South Carolina. Uh, Drew and Juan. Yeah, but, but I, I guess I'm thinking of yeah, – but the Midwest, the upper Midwest especially, has been kind of a fertile ground. And Michael Sams, you know, just the the, the biggest example, uh, played at the University of Missouri and is now at the Rams. So um, it's interesting. These well, the things at- ha- are happening everywhere. The atmosphere, I think, in the
2: South is just it, – it. it's really tough. I mean, I've been talking to a kid who – um, who is uh, in high school and he's in in the deep South and it's it's just not easy for these kids. I mean, they they, they this, this particular kid has some support from his parents, but I mean, trying to come out in your high school and on your team, given everything that he hears on a daily basis, it's, I just think that it doesn't have to be the South. Where it's harder, I mean, I think you hear homophobia in a lot of places, but it just adds the religion and all the other stuff to it. It just it adds to it.
0: Well, and also then you have the thing of saying people want to tell their story publicly, which means they are inviting attention upon themselves. And a lot of people, especially young people, just coming out sort of hard enough, let alone doing it to where you may have reporters talking to you. A lot of people aren't ready for that and don't want to be ready for that. They just simply want to be able to do it among their own friends and teammates. So there are more people who are out that we don't know their stories because they for, you know, good reasons don't want to sort of get the spotlight on them. Well, and one thing that was interesting about
2: Nate's story is that
0: he he wasn't out
2: to his school. He he did he, he came out publicly in this story, but he hadn't told his uh, his principal.
0: Yeah, and I asked him about that before the story, and he said, well, he did, they didn't have they feel they had a need to know ahead of time, but he he he's ready for the consequences that he may not get. I don't know if he has a contract he has to sign or what exactly if he's actually on staff because he's not a not a teacher there. It's a, such a small place. He coaches the the volleyball team and a baseball team, I think the volleyball team is with the Catholic school, but, you know, it's a little more complicated. So, yeah, I, he he just said, you know, it, it might happen, and if it happens, it happens. Um, but he felt he just wanted to, he wanted to do this now. He was kind of tired of just kind of hiding, you know, everybody, and the response he's gotten has pretty much been overwhelming. There have been a few negative comments on some of those stories in South Dakota and some of the comment things, but those kind of happen on any story, in any comment section pretty much.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, we talk about you know how easy it is to be gay in places like L.A. and New York, but rural Southeast South Dakota. I mean, they, and and to, and to be the first person. Now, where was? Um, oh God, who was that? That college football player who got kicked off his team was that North Dakota? North Dakota. Yeah. And uh, well, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I, I really hope that that the school does not you know fire him i th- i just think that would be such a mistake it, at a time when we we need more understanding and more communication between the gay community and the church for them to for them to fire him because of this would be would really i think set a lot of that back it would certainly in my mind set back where i think we are where we can at least try to listen to one another
0: yeah, and it hasn't. I mean, it hasn't been anything official yet. So I, well, obviously, we'll be following that when it, when and if it happens. Um, but again, it's interesting. And he's already hearing from a lot of other athletes and coaches who want advice. And um, it just kind of shows that these store I mean, we keep saying this, we keep reading, these stories are important because they keep connecting with people. And if they didn't connect with people, people would wouldn't care. But people still care. Well, it's funny you posted the story.
2: little inside out sports you posted the story at about midnight and usually when you do that yeah la time so it's 3 a.m eastern i wake up about seven o'clock and i i checked the the site to see if Jim's posted anything new and i checked it one of the first thing i did that morning from bed is i just checked the traffic and i looked at i was like what the hell happened because the traffic was really high and already in just a few hours while people were sleeping, people had already picked up on Nate's story and just started sharing it all over social media. So it was a huge story right away. They spent our, I think this is the third straight day. It will be our number one story traffic-wise.
0: Yeah, and I, I think we always hear, well why why do we care? Well, people still obviously care. Nate was inspired by Derek Shell, who wrote his story for us in 2013, right? So it hasn't been a years since Derek's story appeared. And that was the inspiration for Nate. Um, and who knows if Nate will be the inspiration for somebody new?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I was let's see when was it? When Derek Gordon came out. This was in April. I remember talking to the editor of a very popular sports magazine, and him saying, "So these stories are kind of done, right? Like we're 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 over as a media and as a culture these coming out stories, right, in sports." All we had had is a, a couple of professional athletes and some people in college and high school, and all of a sudden we're supposed to be over these. And as you said, as as we post these stories, you never know which one is going to connect with people. And obviously, this one uh, connected with people in. South Dakota, and we look at our traffic over the last couple of days, the traffic from South Dakota has been huge. In fact, South yeah, Dakota yeah, it's is top two, or three, top two or three state for us, which is not normal.
0: No, I think I read the North – there's like nobody from North Dakota going to the gay games, I think. I read a Ross Foreman, our friend, wrote a story on it. There's two states that don't have a gay games registered athlete. I think North Dakota is one of them, and I forgot what the other one is.
2: North
0: Dakota, well – Listen, there just aren't many people there.
2: Period. Forget about, you know, forget about in uh, headed to the Gay
0: Games. There just aren't many
2: people there and gay people there at all.
0: Well, probably North Dakota natives somewhere. <laughs> you know, they live in Minnesota, they live California, wherever in the Gay Games. Um, Over the last three days, since we posted Nate's
2: story, South Dakota is the number one traffic generator for Outsports. And Minnesota, really? right next door, is number two. Number one and number two are South Dakota and Minnesota. Three or four are California and New York. It just shows you the power of those. You you you, you write a story about a place that's just not used to being in the news or, or talking about this issue. People are interested. It was it was all over the South Dakota media. Everyone picked it up.
0: I saw that, and I saw, again, it was a great, I want to post a, essay by an ESPN radio guy in South Dakota, you know, about how wonderful this is, and it's about time, and, you know, because I guess he was reading some of the negative comments.
2: Well, yeah, you read the negative comments, and it just makes, it makes me realize
0: just how important writing all of these stories are. Yeah, and Nate's a, a, a self-described Christian. I mean, you know, he doesn't back down from that, and yet there's been a lot of people, you can't be a Christian and be gay. That's what a lot of the a lot of the comments basically have been. Well, that's what a
2: lot of people people say. You can't be gay and be Republican. You can't be gay and be Muslim because of some of the tenets of the uh, obviously of the beliefs. Should you follow up with Jim Thomas because he should have been joining? Well, I've
0: I've texted him. I mean, he could be in the middle of camp or something. So um, or whatever the end. I've I've texted him a few minutes ago. So we're waiting for Jim. But uh, in the meantime. Well, hopefully he'll. He was on last time a few months ago and he was great, so and he said he'd be here, so let's let's hope he gets there. So we got a stalling for time until he calls in. Uh, but the well, exhibition let's talk about the teaches, game games. Yeah, let's talk about the Gay games. The weather's supposed to be good.
2: Weather. Well, listen, it's, it it's it's it'll be it'll be sunny and hot, I'm sure. The the big question is the rain cuz it could rain at any given moment and or, you know, there on the lakes, and we're not. Neither of us is competing. Which is, this look at this. It's all you're right. Sunny and seventies every day.
0: Yeah, we're not competing. It's uh, the last. The first. This is the first flag football event that uh, I'm not competing in. I've been in the previous three, um, and it's sort of a, this, this an end is, of an era in that way. This is barely a flag football event. For those of you who don't, yeah, know, what are the flag teams? like football
2: at the gay games is three teams this year what did it have in in 2006 with the
0: uh, in chicago 20 and now like 12 or something like that it was there was a good it was a good amount it was a legitimate tournament uh but this only has three and i think well part of it you have the gay ball coming up in october and you had the pride Ball, which is a big tournament in chicago at the end of june and you try to have this sandwich in the middle and yeah, these these things cost money you know you pay for registration which is what would it be for one athlete to register for football it's a couple hundred dollars plus you got your airfare plus you have your hotel and you know for football players a lot of people don't have that kind of money to, to take three trips in a god four month yeah four month period less than four months um and so people made their choices and they chose the pride bowl and they, they obviously got to choose the gay bowl but I saw it as a good contingent of track and field. There's 400 registered, which uh, should be a really good event. I know the wrestlers are making a big splash, um, the number of attendees they're going to have. It's going to be a big basketball event. Um, I know water polo is supposed to be quite good. So you know, there's going to be a lot of sports that could to have a lot of athletes.
2: Well, he won't be going to the Gay Games, but... Jim Thomas will be at the NFL preseason game where Michael Sam will be playing, and Jim joins us now. Jim, is it beautiful and sunny in St. Louis?
1: No, it is. Uh, it is rainy and uh, obviously overcast, which usually comes along with the rain. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'd say chilly, but very un-August-like weather for what is one of the humidity capitals of uh, the United States. So it's, uh, it seems more like fall a little bit.
2: God, God, God is crying because a gay person is going to be playing in the NFL tomorrow.
1: <laughs> I don't. You, you really think God's upset about this? I, I,
2: don't, I You know. I'm mocking
0: I'm some of the people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jim. This is a Jim. Uh, you're talking to to Sid. Um, Sid's going to be there tomorrow. Um, give us the latest on Michael Sam. How has his camp been? Um, what's his expectations tomorrow in the first game?
1: Well, he's going to play a lot. All the young players are going to uh, to play a lot, especially there, there are a couple of minor injuries on the defensive line. And William Hayes, who uh, is one of their better defensive ends, I, I don't think he's going to play. He's coming off multiple off-season surgeries, and, and he's been practicing, William Hayes I'm talking about. But uh, they'll probably wait till maybe the second week to bring him in. So that should mean even more playing time. For Michael tomorrow night, I'm really looking forward to this. As are obviously uh, a lot of Rams fans, a lot of Mizzou fans, a lot of Michael Sam fans, and
0: you know maybe even
1: some Michael Sam haters they, to see what he to see what he uh, uh, does out there. Uh, I think he will be a better game day player than a practice player, and it's not that he's been bad on the practice field. He had a very good first weekend of camp, I thought, especially there was, it was the first Saturday of camp uh, uh, last, uh, I guess last. Uh, Weekend of July, we really good coming off the edge on the uh, pass rush. Had a very good uh, special teams practice that Tuesday. Remember, now we may have talked about this last time I was on here. His niche is going to be, if he makes the team, is going to be situational pass rusher and special teams player. Had a real good special teams practice a uh, week ago Tuesday, uh, blocking on what would have been, you know, was kind of a simulated uh, uh, punt coverage where, where he's on the, uh, the blocking team there. The return team so so that's how they see him now since then his play is, uh, i would say has leveled off a little bit you know he hasn't been quite as noticeable in practice although the other night in practice he had a couple pretty good uh, uh, pass rushes but again i think he's going to be one of these players who shows more on uh, on game day just because of the work ethic that he has with the uh, the uh, coaches and players called the non-stop motor i mean he he, he never stops on the field, and, and 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 so it'll be it'll be fun to see Friday night.
2: There's no doubt about it. Surely a lot of people have talked about what you just said. Is that that motor that that kind of sets him apart from a lot of other people? How does that end up showing up in practice, and, and why do you think that that's going to uh, put him over the edge during game day?
1: Well, yeah, I, I, it's hard to say how it shows up on on on. Practice because I think he will be better on game day. Kind of one of these things when the lights are on. That there was a Rams had a player named Grant Wistrom who played on the, the greatest show on earth teams mm-hmm, and sure. on turf teams and and uh, he was the same kind of guy. During practice, you'd watch him. He's just so so, but it was something, just something about game day where uh, uh, he just found another gear, turned it up a notch. And, and Grant had some athletic talent, just as Michael Sam does, but. I think the best part of their games is just the intensity, the passion that they have for the game, and you can see that on the field with Michael Sam. You can also see, he, you know, he's got a little bit of an edge to him. You know, he 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 has the potential in the NFL, and, and I'm sure he showed it at times at the, at Mizzou. You know, just to be an aggressive player, a little bit of a mean streak in him, and I, and I think that will show occasionally on the practice field. But you are practicing against your teammates. I think maybe that'll that'll show up more on on game day. For Michael, but he's, he's, he's uh, been very good in the, uh, in the classroom, and that's important for rookies. I mean, the, people forget about the NFL for every hour they spend on the practice field. They may spend three times that much in the meeting room, you know, going over stuff, looking at tape, and that's a big part of the game. This is like, the NFL is like getting a PhD in football, so he's very good with that part of the game, and takes that out to the field and, and you can tell football's very very important to him
0: um has he been a distraction
1: no not <laughs> not in the uh in the in the least bit I think had the oprah thing uh continued, that would have been a distraction and and jeff fisher uh uh and uh, uh i guess Les need uh, uh, got together with the oprah people and uh and uh decided to postpone that and since then I tell you what there was a A little bit of a blip, I guess you call it, you know, of maybe national interest. Uh, The first day that the rookies reported for training camp, they had two rookies-only practices before the uh, varsity, so to speak, uh, showed up. And and, uh, he's been made available twice during training camp. The Rams aren't allowing any one-on-one interviews at this time, but uh, they've made him available to the media twice in what we're talking about maybe two weeks now. Into camp and uh, especially the uh, the second time which was a week ago Tuesday there, there was a fair amount of national media in just for that uh, including Bill Roden you know a highly uh, respected columnist from the uh, the New York Times so we've had just little little spikes in, in interest but other than that I have, I have to tell you guys it's a, he's been a, a rookie a seventh round rookie trying to make a football team and th- that's been it for, from all I can tell and it's not just uh, from what we see of the, the players when they're talking to reporters, but from people that I've talked to that have talked to the players, if that makes any sense, away from the media, you know, that, 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 that it's all been very professional. They've treated them like uh, basically another uh teammate. And I think Jeff Fisher's done a great job of kind of setting the tone of, hey, this is how we're going to do this, guys. And uh, the Rams have a lot of uh, – like good leadership, especially on defense, guys like Chris Long and, and James Laurinaitis, and, and uh, uh, you know, I, I think they've helped make sure that, uh, that uh, you know, he's treated just like anybody else.
2: Jim, I keep wondering how the national media has gotten this so wrong for so long. For, for years they said that a gay person couldn't even exist in the NFL locker room once he was drafted. Before he was drafted, he was going to be a big distraction. Um, After he was drafted, uh, people talking about he's just not good enough to be in the NFL. He's just not talented enough. And here we are. You're telling me he's not a distraction. He is no different than any other seventh-round rookie. The media wants wants him maybe a little bit more. He's trying to make a team, and he looks good. How did the national media get this so wrong for so long?
1: Yeah, well... That's a good question, and obviously I haven't maybe looked at it as in depth as uh, as you have, but it could be part maybe part of the uh, I don't know if you'd call it old school or whatever uh, uh, thinking. And, and don't get me wrong; I mean it's going to be a it's going to be still a a, a struggle for him to make the team in part because the, the Rams are so loaded at the position, and we're looking at what we're looking at is probably the. Uh, the ninth spot on the defensive line in terms of the entire 53-man roster. Most teams keep only eight. Jeff Fisher loves collecting a defensive ends, especially, uh, uh, pass rushing defensive ends, which is, you know, Michael Sam's strength. And so the fifth spot, he's kind of in a, in a battle with, uh, uh, Ethan Westbrooks, who's an undrafted rookie from West Texas A&M in 2012, not last year, but in 2012, he was a division two, uh, national, uh, defensive player of the year, as and we all know uh, that this could, could be a, an historic moment if he makes the final roster. There's no doubting that, but I think in terms of the day-to-day coverage of the team, I mean, and when Michael Pham, uh talks to the press, I mean, he's trying to make a team. It's, it's football, and it's like a lot of times the national, they'll come here and they'll try to skirt the issue of the sexual orientation, but w- what is Michael Sam supposed to say to him? Every day, like well, yeah, I'm still gay, and yeah, I'm still trying to make, I'm still trying to make the team. You know, I mean, that's, you know, so that's kind of that's kind of been interesting, and and I guess maybe they're hoping for some big scandal to come out of here, or some player to say something against uh, Michael Sam, but it just, I, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, not not with this team. It is 2014. I I think the uh, uh, youth of America just on. Issues like that to a large degree, I don't want to just generalize and stereotype. I, I don't think the youth of America, and these are young football players, and every year I look at the roster and see how many are younger than my oldest son, and it's making me feel older and older every year. I feel like I'm talking to my children sometimes, especially as I get older here, and I, I turn 60 over the summer. More and more of these players call me sir, which is very unnerving for, for a big rider. But anyway, I don't think the youth of America are that. That they're relatively colorblind, and uh, I don't think they care about sexual orientation to a large degree. And again, I'm I'm not saying everyone, but I think that's where America is uh, trending. So again, you know, maybe something like that will happen. You know, someone will say something like that, or but uh, you know, it, it it hasn't happened now. This is. Uh, uh, a, a good a good locker room, you know, and that there aren't, in, in general, there aren't, there aren't a lot of head cases or troublemakers on this team.
0: Well, Jim, along the lines of him being, you know, the historic nature of him being there, and we hear how he's number six in jersey sales of the entire NFL, ahead of people like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, do you think that is going to have any impact on the Rams' decision whether or not to keep
1: him? Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a great question. I think if it's a tie, you know, in terms of who they're keeping, that that may tip it in Sam's scales, but are maybe if it's really close between Sam, and again, let's just use the example of Ethan Westbrooks because that, that looks like how it's uh, it's shaping down as, as we look at the roster and the Rams get ready for the, the first preseason game. But, again, and, and, and I've said this before, I think I said it on when I was on your, uh, your show previously This was 98% a football decision. The Rams are a football team that they haven't had a winning season since 2003. They've just completed what I've called the lost decade of Rams football. So they're trying to win football games. And when they saw that Michael Sam was still on the board as the seventh round went on, they had a higher grade on him than the seventh round. I can't tell you exactly what round, but obviously it's at least a sixth-round grade. Anyway, so they, they drafted him to help their football team. And uh, so maybe it'll help at the end if it's close. But if if Ethan Westbrooks is clearly better than Michael Sam, I I really believe Ethan Westbrooks will will make the team.
2: Do you think that the Rams were surprised by the overwhelming reaction to their drafting of him?
1: Uh, I think maybe so. I mean, again, in many ways, this is the perfect spot for uh for michael to be because one there's there's three other mizzou players all mizzou players that that uh, were teammates of his in columbia columbia's only maybe 90 minutes from where i'm sitting right now in the in the media room at uh, rams park but also you know mizzou is at the height of its popularity now They've, they've obviously been on a roll and a resurgence under gary pinkle And there are a lot of uh, Mizzou fans that just love the guy, that just love Michael Sam. So it's about the perfect spot that he could be in. But I I would have to think that maybe they are uh, a little surprised. And, and, you know, number six jersey sales, that says a lot. That tells me that there are a lot of people that are rooting for Michael Sam. And uh, so it it has been a surprise. And, you know, I've got to say, even the reaction at Mizzou as a Native St. Louisan, and I've lived here basically every year except for uh, two years at, uh, away at, uh, at college on the, on the east coast. I mean, this is a uh, Republican state now. It's not—it's not, it's not the, uh, a center of progressive thinking or whatever. And so, I—you know—I was, was very pleasantly surprised to see the reaction at, uh, at Mizzou.
0: Um, so going forward, I mean, how did how do the Rams actually make these evaluations? I mean, like there's the like for example, when's the first cut down date, and like how do they, how, how does the thinking go into like you say is he is he clearly superior or not? Like, will they really know if someone's clearly superior? Do I, I, like, you take us in a little bit? Of how do they for people like Michael who are definitely going to be a backup? How do they decide in essence
1: what they weigh? What they oh, what factors they? Like, what they factors
0: well, like you know like is he likely if he were to be cut after the first round of cuts or the second or do they keep certain guys longer to look at him more or how does that all work?
1: Well, you've got ninety players in camp right now. It's a fifty-three man active roster. The first cut down and it's only to seventy-five, so you only you only eliminate fifteen. Is August the twenty-sixth? Usually, it's like a 4 p.m. Eastern. It might be 6 p.m. Eastern, but it's usually late afternoon, early evening, and so that's how you, you, you will have all teams in the league will have three preseason games in. So you'll have a pretty good idea of the evaluation. But you have still got to cut 22 more players to get down to 53, and that deadline is only four days later, uh, which is August 30th. All the, the fourth preseason games are all played usually uh, Thursday or Friday night of that fourth preseason week, which will be. Uh, the 28th and the 29th of August, and so then they they get down to the uh, to the final 53. Now every day after practice, both the players and the coaches, they're looking at practice tape. So it's kind of like the, the movie The Truman Show. Everything they do on the field is on camera. You know, be it game day or practice. The coaches talk about uh, uh, the players and and uh, you know the. Defensive coaches, obviously, with Coach Fisher, the scouting department, and they're constantly uh, talking about who looked good, who didn't look good. Obviously, when you're on the field, on the practice field, uh, you know, you've got to be assignment sound, know what you're supposed to do on each play. Uh, you've got to, which hasn't been a problem with Michael, Sam, you, you've got to uh, be uh, physical, at least as physical as, as, as is allowed. You know, you can't, there's no usually no full tackling in the nfl uh, on the the practice field now i mean there's all sorts of rules and the the new collective bargaining agreement about when you can have pads on in practice and, and what you can actually uh do in practice even before training camp started coming out of the spring practice sessions in june called ota's short for organized team activities uh jeff fisher mentioned to me oh yeah we have we have the players ranked and and uh I think he meant one through 53, just how they have them ranked. And, you know, they come out of college with massive scouting reports. But really, practice field, assignment sound, how smart you look, physical play when called upon, and uh, uh, also, you know, hustle, you know, uh, what kind of energy you show on the field. And then, you know, it's the same thing in the games, except you, you now you can watch uh, tackling and do they make big plays. Some players look great. In the spring, or even in training camp when there's no pads on, but when you're out there and people are getting hit, and you, you know you're, you're feeling some pain at times, uh, uh, some players uh, uh, rise to the occasions, and others shrink away from the you know the more physical parts of uh, uh, contact. So so all that is uh, all that is uh, factored in, and uh, you know it isn't as you say an exact science. Obviously, a lot of it is subjective, but. You know, a lot of these coaches have been doing this for years, and they, they know exactly what they're looking for.
2: Jim, last question. Headed to do the game tomorrow. What? Any, any tips that I need to cover anywhere I need to be?
1: Well, it's difficult to watch a football game and not follow the football, where the football's going. I'll so, well, you know, we'll be following
2: wherever Michael Sam is, trust me. <laughs>
1: Right. All right. Well, don't resist the temptation to follow the football. You've got to zero in on him, and uh, we will show plenty of replays on the scoreboard. But zero in, and sometimes it's it's hard to tell in that you know in that math on a running play or whatever. But just train yourself to to uh, follow Michael. Uh, you going to be in a uh, uh, suite at the game or uh, in, in uh, regular. i in the like press you? box. Oh, you'll be in the press box. Okay, bring your binoculars.
0: Good. It's a high press oh, box. Very good. It's, a, All right, it's very one of the good. highest
1: press boxes in the league. So with binoculars, you'll be able to follow, follow him a lot easier. So
2: I am packing them right now.
1: There you go. Yeah, don't forget it. It'll be tough without him. But you can see the plays develop. That, that's actually sitting there as opposed to lower in the stadium. You'll have a better chance to, uh, to track Michael. And, hey, make sure you stop by and say hello, too.
2: I definitely will. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate
0: it. And Jim, if uh, Michael makes the, fight, I can't make it tomorrow because of my schedule. But if he makes the the roster, I'll be there with Sid of the Vikings, and I'll definitely say hello. You've been a wonderful guest. Thanks
1: so much for being on again. You bet. Anytime, guys. Take care. Goodbye. Okay,
2: well, was Jim Thomas with the St. Louis Post Dispatch. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah, he just he's very. I think he just great insight of exactly what they're looking for, and so this is the second time we've had him on, and it just. I learn a lot when I listen to him, and, you know, he kind of cuts through the clutter, and the bottom line is, <laughs> you know, Michael's going to have to fight to make the team, which we already known, but at least it was good to hear without any kind of spin, so. Yeah, and, and he kind of lays it out that, you know, he's
2: he's got to get through. You know, it's, it's, it's going to come down to whether they want to keep eight or nine linemen and
0: whether he's going to be one of those nine linemen or not.
2: And that's. Uh...
0: Boy, I didn't know the cutdowns were so close together. I thought they were more spread apart. He said the 26th is the first one, and that's still three weeks away. And then four days later, it's 22 more guys. For some reason, I thought in my head they were a lot more space, but they really <laughs> – it's like everybody – a whole lot of cuts happen in four days. Yeah, it's tight, and you mentioned Ethan Westbrook's
2: kind of the guy that he believes he's fighting for, fighting against for that roster spot, and so we'll have to be watching uh, Ethan Westbrook's carefully, too. He's uh, number 62, I think, so watch out for Ethan Westbrook's.
0: You have fun there, tomorrow, and I'll see you Saturday in Cleveland for the Gay Games. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, and yeah, we'll be tweeting from from the Gay Games
2: and, and reporting. We've got uh, Brent Mullins is joining us again, as he has in the past, taking lots of photos. And Anthony Nicodemo is going to be there doing some writing for us. So I'm looking forward to it. It's always a fun time, even if it sounds like it's going to be a few fewer people than usual. It's still going to be a great time. And Cleveland
0: is a lot better than people you know, make it out to be. Yeah, probably a two-week hiatus for the podcast because we'll be in Cleveland and the week after that we'll both be – well, you'll be in Fire Island and I'll just be getting back to town. So we'll talk to you the last week of August when all the NFL cuts happen. So perfect timing. Exactly. All right, well, we'll check back with you then. Have a great couple of weeks.